Welcome to the Trusted Visions Placement and Consulting Podcast. Today, we are going to cover an important topic that I'm sure a lot of advisors have, the truths and mistruths of joining an OSJ. As we all know, financial advisors have many options when making a broker-dealer change. They can decide to go direct with a broker-dealer and report directly to them and their home office supervision, or they can join an OSJ. Now, many advisors have questions and preconceived notions about joining an OSJ and what that means. Today, I have invited Arthur Cooper, Managing Director of Cooper McManus, who oversees 40 plus advisors nationwide, over a billion in assets, and has been an OSJ for many decades. To answer many key questions and even address the preconceived notions that many advisors have when it comes to making a broker-dealer change and joining an existing OSJ. Arthur, welcome to the Trusted Visions podcast. Thank you for taking the time to be on here to answer some key questions that many advisors may have. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to be here. So uh, let's start, Arthur, with the, the first question. As you know, there are a lot of perceptions regarding an advisor, you know, regardless of production about joining an OSJ versus being a director court. Can you speak to the feedback of your reps and what your thoughts are to why an advisor would join an OSJ such as Cooper Agranis versus going direct to the broker dealer? Well, you know, depending upon the type of advisor, the reasons um, would be different. You know, for example, if an advisor was coming from a captive or a wirehouse uh, type environment, we find that, uh, you know, jumping into the world of independence, uh, they don't know what they don't know. And we find that there's a, a lot of guidance we could provide, whether it be uh, just business management, how to set up your office, what's the best strategy to transition your book of business without violating any employment contracts or covenants that you may have in place. And, uh, and do, a, do a, a lot of hand-holding in the form of just educating what the options are, uh, because you know typically when you make that move, uh, you go from a, a handful of options for your clients to literally you know, dozens or hundreds of options that you can offer your clients. And sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming. So we help kind of clarify those things for the advisor. Um, other advisors that might already be at uh, another firm uh, established with uh, an in independent firm uh, make the move for various reasons. You know, I always joke around to say the, the main reason people make a move is when the pain of their current situation is greater than the pain of change. Because anytime you make that change, yeah, you know, it is challenging and it's taxing and it's time consuming and uh, nobody wants to ever put themselves through that. Uh, and so they're coming for uh, sometimes enhanced payouts for uh, access to uh, certain product lines or alternate clearing options that maybe they don't have. Uh, and, uh, you know, from that standpoint, you know, our role would be in some cases helping with case analysis, case design uh, to uh, provide supervision services. Uh, but a, a big component there are uh, our role is kind of an advocate for the advisor, you know, dealing with the broker dealer. Because as we all know, sometimes the broker dealer can be a challenge, can be frustrating. And, uh, you know, given our size, you know, we have the ability to get things, you know, through the red tape much more quickly, much more efficiently than a typical advisor would. 
Yeah, and one, one follow-up question to that, um, you know, because we at Trusted Visions talk a lot about this, and I'm sure you do as well, but part of the advantage and one of the advantages of joining an existing OSJA or enterprise is having that added layer of support. I'm not saying that you're just a number as a single advisor with a broker-dealer, but having that added layer of support being part of a, a larger enterprise such as yours, can you talk a little bit about that in, in terms of the reality of that versus uh, the perception of it? Well, uh, you know, the, the reality of it is uh, it's it's a, a way to offer a little bit more community uh, with the advisor because a lot of times uh, advisors are kind of out on an island by themselves and it gets a, a little bit lonely and you don't necessarily get exposed to the latest and the greatest or you know, uh, you know, cutting edge uh, ideas and strategies. So it's an opportunity for advisors to get to uh, know other advisors and learn what, what are they doing that's working? You know, what are they doing that's not working? And, uh, you know, through those communications, you know, everybody tends to get better. So you, you can operate independently and build your business the way that you want to build it, the way that, uh, you know, you feel is most appropriate, but also you have access to uh, other advisors, uh, you know, on a, on a semi-regular basis in order to kind of network and, and talk with. And it's a little bit more intimate than a typical broker-dealer uh, conference uh, where you go and you have a, a slate of speakers and you're like in one room to the next room to the next room. It's, it's more of where you actually can spend time talking and getting to know other people. Thank you for that. And the next question, a big perception that a lot of advisors have when we speak to them daily and, and throughout my career is if I join an existing OSJ, that means I'm making as an advisor substantially less because there's there's another piece of the pie, um, you know, from an override perspective that's going to the OSJ. What would you say to that perception? Um, because well, I, I know there's, there's not really truth behind that because they get the advantage of taking advantage of, of your as a large enterprise pricing and payouts. Yeah. So, you know, given our size and, and stature, we, you know, are able to negotiate better pricing, better payouts than, you know, a one-off advisor may be able to do. So in a lot of cases, uh, you know, we can offer advisors equal or higher payouts than uh, if they were to go to director or broker dealer. Um, you know, based on production levels. And other times, is, let's say you are, uh, you know, a, a large producer, and if you go direct, uh, you might have X amount, and then to go through the, the branch, it might be 2%, 3% less. And, uh, you know, one of the, the key things to look at uh, an OSJ is they're a service provider. You know, are they providing value from compliance services you know, uh, you know, trade assistance if necessary, uh, you know, other, other type um, services that we can provide is you look at what the overall cost of that, uh, that override is compared to the cost of a staff person in order to do that. And, uh, you know, even if you're a million dollar producer, you'll find uh, that uh, due to the, the high level, the confidence of the staff that can support you, that's one less person you have to employ. So it, it pays for itself. Yeah, and, and to follow up on that, because, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time, Arthur, and, and you guys do, I believe, something unique 
than most enterprises or OSJs out there in that, you know, you guys give advisors an added layer of protection. And what I mean by that is if the broker dealer is coming in to audit one of your advisors or a regulator is coming in to audit one of their advisors, back to your point of being on the <laughs> island, you have staff and, you know, subject matter experts that go out to that advisor's office to, you know, go through the audit with them. Can you speak around your rationale behind why you do that? Um, well, you know, the, the primary reason is to make sure that uh, the advisor is, is protected from a compliance or regulatory standpoint. Uh, and then from the, the, the selfish, self-serving side of things is as long as if the advisor has a clean book of business and is doing things compliantly, then uh, that means that my office is, is doing things uh, compliantly uh, without issues. So, uh, but also it can be it can be stressful when you have an auditor in the office, and we make sure that uh, we provide support during those audits. Whether we have uh, one of our uh, compliance professionals in the office with you side by side with the audit, uh, or you know, this year through via Zoom, uh, and uh, you know other things along those lines. Uh, but we make sure that the advisor is prepared. Uh, we, before the audit happens, we uh, make sure that they have uh, everything in order so they can get through the audit quickly, efficiently, and ideally with no deficiencies. Perfect. Thank you for that follow-up question. And next question, you've been an OSJ and a recruiting OSJ for a long time. Um, what would you say some of the truths and mistruths you've heard um, about an advisor joining an OSJ, um, and how would you, what would you say about those truths and mistruths? Well, uh, I guess the common ones would be, uh, you know, you kind of lose your independence, that you're uh, subject to the whims of your OSJ, and you might not be able to uh, self-brand, you might not be able to run your business the way that you want to. And, and there might be some truth to that with some OSJs, but with uh, Cooper McManus, uh, one of the things that I think is important is, you know, it's the understanding that your clients are clients because of you, not because of the firm you affiliate with. And your broker dealer is a service provider. Uh, your uh, OSJ is a service provider. And, uh, you know, those are things that, um, you know, you want to make sure that are providing value. So things, little things like uh, business cards. Some advisors want to use the broker-dealer name. Some advisors want to use the Cooper McManus name. And either way is okay, but what I really encourage my advisors to do is create their own branding, their own imaging, so that they have, you know, Jeremy Financial Services and Cooper McManus and the broker-dealer nothing but disclosures on the back. And, uh, you know, it, it creates that, overall independence with the branding, with the client recognition, but also with the support of a large branch and then a national broker dealer uh, to boot. Perfect. And so good segue into the next question, um, you know, and probably one of the most preconceived perceptions out there in the industry is if I go out and join an OSJ like Cooper McManus, you know, I, I can't brand as my own myself. I don't own my book of business. Um, should I decide to leave Cooper McManus at some point in time and, and go to another broker dealer, they're going to try and go after my clients. How would you address that, that perception? Well, uh, 
you know, the perception is there and depending upon where the advisor is coming from, sometimes it's hard for them to actually, you know, realize and believe that their clients are their clients. Um, we're not in the business of retaining uh, advisors, clients, if they switch firms, uh, the broker dealer is not in the business of uh, retaining those clients if they switch firms. In fact, uh, on both cases, we want you to move the clients, uh, you know, with you wherever you go. For the main reason is we, uh, you know, aren't going to sit there and service those clients, and uh, they create more of a liability of being, in essence, an orphan client on the books as opposed to move with their advisor so that they can continue to to provide service and value for the client. And then one, one question I, I know we didn't talk about, Arthur, but uh, that I know is a hot topic in the industry and has been a hot topic for the last five plus years is succession planning. Um, and, and a lot of advisors think about it, unfortunately, don't implement it. And unfortunately, you as a managing director of Cooper McManus, it, you've had the unfortunate of having advisors that have passed away unexpectedly. And I think it's, it's, it's a topic that's important to cover in this, in that you know, being part of an OSJ versus being off on an island in a direct report with the, with the broker-dealer gives you that added layer of support from a succession planning standpoint, um, not only for your clients, but your family. Can you speak a little bit about succession planning when being part of an OSJ when something unexpected comes, comes about and an advisor passes away? Yeah, I, I, I definitely can. Um, you know, one of the main reasons uh, succession planning is important because if an advisor who's fully licensed passes away, from a legal regulatory standpoint, the surviving family can only receive revenues from that practice for 60 days. And then beyond that, uh, they're not entitled legally to receive any compensation. And uh, so those, those clients will, once they I hear of the advisor's passing, they tend to scatter in the wind and, and think, oh crap, I have to find somebody else to, to work with. And uh, having a succession plan, uh, the primary purpose is to make sure that there's a mechanism where the value of your practice can uh, be transferred to the family uh, you know, with, with the, um, the definition of how to value the practice and um, in the terms of which that value is gonna be transferred onto the family. And then uh, you're able to continue to uh, pay the family members via a purchase agreement as opposed to receiving commissions uh, or fees from uh, client accounts. And is that something you as an OSJ help with, Arthur? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that we do as an OSJ, we offer kind of a, what I call a placeholder succession plan. Uh, that is not necessarily the, the richest plan in the world as far as uh, valuing your practice, but it's uh, something there in case something unexpected happens. And uh, there's, we do have a mechanism in which to pay the family. But at the same time, we encourage the advisors to find a true succession partner uh, that they can work with and uh, you know that has a, appropriate uh, valuations, whether it be from a death, a disability, or even retirement. Um, those are things that I, I think are, are, are key. You know, we've had advisors pass away, unfortunately, quite a bit over the last 30 years. And, um, you know, some of the, the uh, best scenarios are when we have 
you know, multiple advisors in our office work together and create succession plans among themselves. And as a fallback, you know, uh, I become the succession plan or Cooper McManus becomes the succession plan absent, you know, anything else. Thank you for answering that. And last question, I want to be respectful of your time. You know, we've been in an ever consolidating marketplace amongst broker dealers um, and, you know, advisors either retiring and aging advisor force. You know, where do you see the trends, the, the recruiting trends for financial advisors as it pertains to being part of an existing OSJ or enterprise or, or going direct? Do you think that's going to change at all with the consolidation that's, all, that's taking place in the broker-dealer marketplace? Well, you know, again, I think uh, with all the consolidation, uh, you're, you know, you're going to have firms that have a thousand brokers also be part of a firm that has 10,000 brokers. And uh, what happens is the individual ends up getting lost you know, in the crowd. And uh, uh, with an OSJ, you know, you're able to, you know, have that advocate, somebody working on your behalf that has some influence, that has the ear of senior management, executive management in order to, you know, help facilitate things that are important to you. Because uh, without that, uh, you know, benefit of a large OSJ, sometimes getting uh, exceptions made or getting approval for certain things becomes next to impossible. So, um, you know, uh, in my opinion, that uh, as these consolidations happen, if you still want to maintain some uh, level of, uh, of influence or having that advocate, you have to be part of the larger organization, whether it be an OSJ, a producer group, or, uh, you know, some other uh, mechanism where, you know, the, the sum uh, of the parts is greater than the whole. Perfect. Arthur, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule today to, to, to talk about a topic that I'm sure is key for many financial advisors and, and addressing some of those preconceived notions about joining an existing OSJ. Um, I hope that all of the viewers uh, found this useful and were able to answer many of the questions that you may have had. Thank you.